0: Welcome to SOCAP International's In the Know podcast, a series offering consumer affairs professionals a look into the minds of industry experts as we discuss emerging trends to ensure that you are remaining in the know. I'm your host, Tanisha Johnson, Director of Learning and Events at SOCAP International, and today we're joined by Candice Bertotti, who is a speaker, educator, and trainer with Smarts, a corporate training company. Candice will be facilitating SOCAP Executive Summit this year, so we, we thought it w- might be fun to chat with her a bit to learn more about this. So, Candice, welcome and thanks for talking with us today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, first I thought it might be important just to um, learn a little more about you and what you do in this space. So, can you tell us a little bit about your background and training expertise?
1: Great, yeah. Well, I started out in live media and then I moved to the federal government. I worked at the US Department of Education for about seven years. And I was on the transition team between the Bush and the Clinton administrations. And uh, after a while, I didn't feel like I was making as big of an impact as I wanted to. And so I went to Harvard for two years to study how to make a bigger impact. And so I studied communication and conflict resolution and negotiations and uh, came out and started doing soft skills training. So I did creativity and innovation and managing change, briefing and presentation skills. And I really loved it. And then I met the authors of Crucial Conversations and I fell in love with their content. I now teach all of their classes, so Crucial Conversations, Crucial Accountability, Influencer, and Change Anything. And I'm a senior master trainer with them. But I'm independent. And so I'm also on faculty. I teach negotiation at Georgetown Law School. Um, Prior to that, I was at University of Maryland, where I did executive education for professionals in negotiation. I also am a mediator for DC Superior Court for child abuse cases. And I teach crisis leadership to the military. I do courses on generational differences all sorts of different uh, hats that I wear, which makes, makes it interesting. I'm also learning to play tennis and I'm in an improv class. So that's a little bit about me.
0: <laughs> cool, such a, an interesting and robust background. Um, thanks. thanks for that. So in terms of the summit, and we know the focus of our 2017 executive summit is really around dealing with change. Um, so just want to ask, in your opinion, why is change management so important for customer care leaders in today's business economy, particularly executives in the customer care yeah, space?
1: Absolutely. Because how we manage on the inside shows on the outside. And okay. when I, there's so much change happening right now. There's a, Innovation is happening so quickly. There's such a diversity of customers. There's competition for this new, all the talent that's out there. There's all sorts of genera- different generations that are in the workplace and are consumers on the other side. And we want to set ourselves apart. And we want to be able to manage that change in a way that set, differentiates us. And let me give you an analogy. And I think this might be helpful. Um, if we think about a, an iPhone or a droid, Android smartphone, um, and you think about all the things that are on the phone, all the apps that we love to use, those apps run well because of their operating system underneath. And every organization has their own operating system, we call it culture, so we have our cultural operating system, and everything we do sits on top of that cultural operating system. The challenge is, to go back to that analogy, we often focus on the apps. We focus on our projects, our processes, uh, our latest initiative, and we don't spend time focusing on that underlying cultural operating system. If you think about an iceberg, for example, we often think, that what we see at the top, that iceberg, that's driven by our our uh, initiatives and our projects. But in reality, there's so much under the water, underneath the surface, that is around culture and behavior. And so, if we want to differentiate, we've got to be really effective at how we execute on this cultural operating system. And uh, we have a what we find in our research is that there's often often a chasm when we're trying to initiate change. And what happens? is that managers in the process of doing this, and executives, are often trying to drive innovation and initiative and candor and teamwork through all this change. So what we find in our studies is that employees often hear the message as, I'm supposed to be obedient, I have to be predictable, I've got to defer to authority, and I need to compete with my colleagues in order to move ahead, and that creates a big disconnect and a poor Culture And so we've identified some specific gaps that I'm happy to talk about in more more detail, but we find that when change is happening, there's often this chasm. And so as executives, we need to be really cognizant that this culture operating system is so important and that we're often misperceiving it uh, because we don't have the same lens as our employees.
0: Right. That makes total sense. Any additional thoughts? or comments on the role of accountability in effectively dealing with change for our listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a really interesting study that was done by Google. And it's called the Aristotle Project. And in the case some of your listeners might have heard of that project. And they wanted to find out what is the key to perfect teams. How do we work really well together and have that effective culture? Are we getting things done? And they had a few hypotheses. So they thought, well, maybe it's the best people. Um, you know, If we get all the graduates from Ivy League or get the Ph.D.s, and they thought, well, maybe it's personality styles. We need a mix of extroverts and introverts and a mix of this style and that style. And then some people said, well, maybe it's whether or not there's structure or there's a lack of structure. And some said, well, maybe it's whether we are friends or not friends. And what they found when they studied this, and by the way, they spent five years and millions of dollars studying this, they found that it was none of those. And what they found was that it was actually active participation and psychological safety. That when those two norms were in place, teams worked really effectively together. We recreated this study, did a very similar study, and we found the same results, but we broke it down a little differently. We broke down active participation into open dialogue and universal accountability. Because when we say active participation, we need to be acting in some very specific ways it's very interesting if you look at, say, hospitals, for example. What determines when they're trying to increase patient safety, and one of the things often is um, hand washing, when they're trying to increase hand washing, it's not how many posters are up that say, wash your hands. It's not um, how many leaders have gotten up and said, we all need to do this, and I'm bought in. It's it's not how many uh, times they've gone to training, it's typically when people see their peers violating this agreement or this norm, do they hold each other accountable? And that is huge in, in helping us achieve our goals. And that accountability piece is often missing. So if you want some, one behavior that's going to have a, an impact on your culture, and universally, whether you're a coal mine or a Google or a family, one of those norms is: Are we, do we hold each other accountable universally? And I'll just go back to that study I was talking about that cultural chasm. Um, when we look back at that, um, what we find is that there's a few norms that I mentioned there were some gaps on, and I'll just share two of those gaps just to highlight this. So mm-hmm. we basically gave 13 different norms and said to people, choose select the norm that that feels like your culture tell us whether or not this seems like your culture. Some were good norms, some were bad norms. And so for example, one of them was um, the norm is to avoid conflict and maintain pleasant relationships, so not holding people accountable essentially. What we found was that employees were 54% more likely than their supervisors to say, yep, that's the norm. Another one was the norm is to speak up immediately whenever there's a question or concern that could affect performance speaking about it, like basically do we hold each other accountable. And what we found there is that managers were sixty seven percent more likely to say that was the norm. And so there's often a real gap between what we think is happening and what actually is.
0: And and the project that you referred to, you said Aristotle Project?
1: It's Pro Project Aristotle that
0: project Google
1: conducted. called the Cultural Chasm Study.
0: Got it. Okay. Great. Thanks for sharing that. And just uh, to talk a little more about the executive summit, um, can you give us a look into what customer care executives attending the summit might get from from the summit? Maybe a, a couple yeah. of outcomes that you expect. Yeah. So we'll go through. What do you do before you open your mouth
1: in these accountability conversations? What do you? say when you're opening your mouth, and then what do you do after you've opened your mouth? So we'll basically go through it chronologically, before, during, and after. Um, Before, we've got to make sure our emotions are in a healthy place, because if I'm really emotional, I'm probably not going to be as effective as I could be if I was less emotional. Uh, We're going to make sure we address the right issue, because just because we're talking doesn't mean I'm addressing the right topic. Then we'll talk about what to. What do you say first? What do you say second? What do you say third? Uh, where do you go once the other person responds? Uh, what do I do if they don't want to have the conversation? And then we'll talk very briefly at the end about Alright, how do you follow up and make sure this really cha- turns into lasting change? And so how do we make sure we're following up on these conversations?
0: Awesome. Sounds wonderful, Candice. So thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. It was- so wonderful learning more about you and, and the great work that you're about to do at Executive Summit. So thanks for being here.
1: Thank you. My goal is to make it an interesting, engaging summit, but more importantly, I want it to be valuable, that people leave saying this is totally worth my time. So I look forward to having the opportunity to impart some valuable and practical and relevant skill for people to immediately apply.
0: Absolutely, and we look forward to welcoming you, our listeners, to Executive Summit in the Windy City of Chicago in April. Um, for more information, refer to SoCap website www.socap.org. Thanks, everyone.